Hello and welcome to another edition of the Richard Haynes Real Estate Show. I am your host this week, joined by my special co-host, Sergio Sanchez. We are agents here at the South Bay Brokerage of Manhattan Pacific Realty in Greater Los Angeles, where we specialize in markets from Manhattan Beach to Palos Verdes. This is our holiday special, where Sergio has been kind enough to offer to interview me to hear about the real estate market market, the Manhattan Pacific business, and some personal life questions here to wrap up the new year. So we hope you guys enjoy it. And thanks for tuning in. Welcome to another edition of the Sergio Haynes Real Estate Podcast. I am your host, Sergio, where we specialize in all areas, South Bay, Manhattan, Hermosa, PV Peninsula, and sometimes Redondo. Redondo's <laughs> in there too. You nailed it. How was that? It was good, man. It was. It's not as good as your amazing holiday Christmas attire, but it was darn good. <laughs> if you're listening to this on Spotify, iTunes, wherever, go to Richard's Instagram account at Richard Haynes Real Estate. We're going to post some clips of this interview there, and you're going to see our lovely Christmas sweaters. I love it. Hopefully some at Sergio Living's Instagram pics, too. There'll be some there, too. Good. By the way, why is your sweater so small? My sweater is so small. Well, number one, I've been working out a little bit. Okay. No, it's because it's my mother's sweater. <laughs> Julie Haynes. Yes, you know, I'm petite like my mother, and then it just fills out a little bit better with these 80s shoulder pads in here. <laughs> But this is my mother's sweater. She was nice enough to let me borrow it for it this looks, episode. It looks good. I love it. I have an old Disneyland <laughs> looks, one. I love that. Well, today we're bringing your listeners a special episode. We're calling it the Christmas special. And um, the holidays are around the corner. New Year's is around the corner. So I thought we should interview you, Richard, and let the people know a little bit about more about you in real estate and in the personal aspect. I know you have a lot of friends that listen to this, and may, I don't know how deep you get with them, but maybe they'll learn something about you here that they didn't know about before. <laughs> I love it. I'm excited for it. And we can talk to them about the company and things around the South Bay. Just let it flow and, and see where this goes. Let's do it. Let's do it. So I'm going to start off like you do with your guests. I'm going to do, I'm going to read a little bio okay. off of you. Is that okay? Yes. And if there's anything that I missed or anything you want to add on, feel free, okay? Awesome. So Richard Haynes is a full-time real estate broker at Boutique South Bay Agency. I'm going to leave this part blank. It's currently Manhattan, Manhattan Pacific Realty. Realty mm -hmm. Currently with well over 15 years of experience in various real estate disciplines. Let's see, Richard specializes in residential home sales from PV to Manhattan Beach while dedicating time to small to medium-sized income properties, coastal spec development, and select low-income housing investment opportunities. You're a proud USC Marshall School of Business graduate. Wow. Okay. With a focus in entrepreneurship, Richard conducted numerous feasibility studies and business plans focused on the field of real estate finance. Dude, it sounds like you've just been all over real estate since the day you were born. <laughs> Maybe not the day I was born, but college probably, you know, it started in that realm once there was an internship. But yeah, I've been real estate for much of my adult life. And, you know, here we are doing residential in the beautiful South Bay. I love that. And 
besides this little bio, is there anything that you wanted to add on or? You know, I, I mean, really what I could probably add on from a personal level is a born and raised Palos Verdes kid okay. who then went off to school not too far away at USC. And then after graduation, I went to the beach and lived between Hermosa and Manhattan Beach for another dozen years or so learning the beach cities and spending time in Redondo and then came back to PV. So I'm really kind of a South Bay, Southern California kid through and through. And, you know, from a personal side, if people listen but don't know me intimately, I'm a father and a husband, two boys that were now raising in PV and got family and extended family here locally in the South Bay. And I feel very, very lucky to be here doing what I'm doing. Love that. It sounds like you've come full circle from being born and raising PV now. You are raising two young little boys. It's crazy. Who look just like you, by the it's way. It's crazy, dude. <laughs> Trick-or-treating the same houses and people, you know, seeing me and the kids. It's a crazy, crazy feeling. That's for sure. I, I don't know what that feels like, but I can imagine. <laughs> for sure. So since, you know, this is a real estate podcast show, and it seems like I said that you were just born into real estate. My first question, why real estate out of all the lovely and wonderful careers out there. Great call, dude. Uh, you know what? I don't think I knew it would be real estate, even kind of graduating college. You know, my father always encouraged my mother to get into real estate. If you know my mom, Julie, you do. A lot of people do. She is a social butterfly. She knows everyone. She's great with people. She would have been an amazing realtor in and around the South Bay. And my father was in, in wealth management. And so I thought maybe the stock market, maybe finance was a direction I go, but I had no clue coming out of college. And really an internship in the lending world doing loans is what kind of jump-started my interest into real estate. And that started senior year in college, did some loans, did some business studies around real estate finance, and some investment opportunities and the rest is history. So I always, I tell people my dream was wearing a suit, holding my briefcase, looking up at a big building and working in that big building in some sort of big business environment. Turns out I was attracted to the building and the land and the real estate. I'm not doing commercial downtown real estate, but it's some form of tangible assets is, is what I got into. I don't know why, it's just I <laughs> fell into it. Couple things. There are no big buildings here in PB. <laughs> you do not strike me as a city boy at when, all. <laughs> no, I learned that after going to USC and coming right back to the beach. I think you and I are in the biggest building in Palos <laughs> Verdes Estates right now, on the second floor of the Gardner Building. So the Gardner Building, you're right, dude. Cove. <laughs> All right. So you were doing loans. It sounds like you started off doing loans, mm -hmm. and you were doing them at 18 in high school still. So not an 18 at high school. It was an internship at 21. I found an internship for my final summer in college in Redondo Beach at a small boutique lending firm. And I went and got my license as a result. And I learned how to originate loans as a loan broker bringing up business. So that's what got me jumpstarted into it. And it was poor timing because when I graduated, I went full time into it, which was 2007, Ooh. which of course is the Great Recession and the financial collapse. And I was out there trying to do loans and everything fell apart at the end of 2007. So it wasn't the best timing, but I learned so much 
amidst tons of volatility and really tough times in our economy that I think it set me up for the future to, to be able to handle certain situations. That's interesting that you stuck to, you know, real estate and, and mortgages because a lot of people, when that happened, they just quit and left and, you know, went to a completely different career. Why did you choose to stick with this? You know, I think I was lucky with my entrepreneurship focus at USC because I did find out very quickly that it was going to be hard for me to make a living as a loan broker without a book of business mm -hmm. during a financial crisis, maybe one of the worst we've seen since the Great Depression. Yeah. But what the entrepreneur program taught me to do was to pivot. And so while I was doing loans, people were out there going, if you can get me a loan, I'm going to be able to do a deal of the lifetime because these prices are so darn low. And I kept hearing that over and over again. No one could get loans, but prices were incredibly low. And I went, I think there's an opportunity here. And that took me to the pivot where I went out and raised money and started buying distress sales, foreclosures, REOs. And that's kind of what jump-started me took me out of the loan business into real estate investment and that eventually turned into a career there and then a shift into brokerage. So my whole adult life has been pivoting within the real estate realm. Yeah, and I think uh, it's interesting you say that because I always tell my friends and family like how successful you are. Now I'm starting to get understand more of why that is. You pivot, you see opportunities and you strike and not only that for yourself but you do the same thing with your clients when i'm in the office hearing you talk on the phone with your clients you're constantly dropping nuggets of gold to them and giving them areas of opportunities where they maybe didn't know that there were areas of opportunities so wow man that's awesome pivot baby you gotta be <laughs> pivoting and changing and evolving that's the world that's the economy that's life so then you went from being an intern and, and doing loans at 21 then around the, the financial crisis and, and the recession, you pivoted to more of the investor side. Talk to me a little bit about that. How was that? Was it um, during that time at least? I know it's a lot different now. Mm -hmm. What were the opportunities like then? What was what were the struggles? What were the positives and the highs? Like walk me through all of sure. it. Sure. No, I mean the, the positives of all that was real estate was on sale. I mean, you could put 20% down, 25% down in California, in Metro LA, wow. in County of LA, wow. and cash flow. You can't do that these days, it, right? It's sad. <laughs> but there was so much opportunity to buy and hold. And I was able to take advantage of that partially because I was lucky and had a father and an uncle who kind of gave me the seed money to prove the model with the first investment, which then allowed me to show it to other investors and raise outside money. So those were the really cool, interesting times. And I didn't know how good the opportunity was because I had never seen it. And I just went, oh, let's put 25% down, we'll raise money and didn't realize that that was a unique time in the market and really a crazy time. The struggles for me were is when you raise money, you've got to give a lot of the profits back to the investors because I didn't have money, a significant amount of money to co-invest and, and reap some of those rewards. So mm. I was living off of fees or very small cuts. So it was still a struggle for me to make any type of real money. Wow. And then also the fact that I was 23, 24, trying to go out and raise money. What 
person wants to give money to a 23, 24 year old who has very little real world experience coming out of college at 22. So it made raising money during an amazing time to go out and buy distressed assets difficult for me because of my age and my resume. But it taught me a lot of resiliency and to keep going and then to just make as good a deals as possible as I could with the money that I was able to raise. And over time, I've been able to build a resume now that I'm 37 going on 38 that maybe people don't start building that resume until their 40s. So, you know, the struggle and the tough parts turn into a win over the longer term. Wow, that's impressive. You were out there hustling and and trying to, you know, make it at 23. At 23, I was not doing any of that. So I kudos to you for that. And so this was around 2012, 2013, I'm assuming, that you were doing all this investing and raising money? or Yeah, started with- raising in 2009 oh. and then really started getting rolling significantly 10, 11, 12. You're right. And I still did that beyond. And it, it we pivoted from different markets as, as they change. But yes, it was really something that started in earnest. 09 was kind of the first raise, and then 10, 11, 12 major distressed assets still, and then 12 to 15 or 14 was another pivot. So the timeline is you started off as a mortgage officer, then you went into investing and raising money and Mm -hmm. and buying, it sounds like, fix and flips. When did you transition to becoming a real estate agent? What you you are now? (laughs) Yes. You know what? The real estate agent move was really and I keep saying the word, a pivot of we went from buying low-income housing that cash flowed incredibly well with just 20% down because of where prices were. Mm-hmm. Then I moved into flipping, fixing and flipping distressed assets. And then as the hedge funds came in and blew up that model, we headed to the coast and started doing spec development, brand new ground up spec development, which was very profitable at a time. And I made the pivot to brokerage when, hey, we haven't seen anything like the Great Recession for the last 15 years mm-hmm. or you know a dozen years since the recovery. And I made that change into brokerage because the market, I believe still today, is super saturated with developers. And I didn't think the margin or the profits that we were making when I made the change into brokerage were worth my investors' dollar risk. Now, people have made great money since I've changed, but I think there's been a much higher risk that they've taken to earn those profits that I just wasn't willing to do with my investor money. And what got me into brokerage was I'm a limit. I can give my investors back their money with a bunch of profits and not lose anything. And as a realtor, I can take all of this knowledge I accumulated as a lender, as a low-income housing investor, as a fix-and-flipper, spec developer, and I think that knowledge exceeds someone who's just gotten into Mm -hmm. brokerage with no training, and I can deliver a significant amount of knowledge and experience to clients as a broker, and I'm not risking anyone's money. Mm -hmm. I'm just helping people make really good decisions in real estate, and I'm compensated relatively well without risking any money. And it still allows me to stay connected to the market, and if I want to reinvest, I still know what's going on, and I end up you know, having a great win-win result for my clients and our company as a result. 
And it sounds like you found something that you really are good at and you have a knack for. <laughs> Maybe not, a lot of people have a knack for. I think what kind of helps me set apart is I actually really, really, really care about the clients yeah. and their results. And some results are amazing and some results we do the best we can and, and sometimes they're okay results. Yeah. But it's really just caring and then getting better at your craft every day to try and get the best results for your clients. Yeah, and for the listeners, I can attest to that. Like Richard truly, truly cares for the people that he works with, AKA his clients. Um, and you too, Sergio, <laughs> I care about you too. <laughs> so I want to kind of like not switch gears a little bit, but ask a question. So when I started my career in real estate, I sought mentorship. I, I was looking for somebody to give me guidance. Who was that point of guidance for you through all this? Or did you kind of just learn everything on your own and research on online, read mm -hmm. books, who helped you through those tough questions that maybe you didn't have the answer to? Like for, for example, me, mm -hmm. you help me out. Whenever I have questions, I come to you and you're like a mentor to me. So who was that mentor figure when you were going up through the ranks of real estate? Sure. You know, I wouldn't say I had a mentor that I just picked up the phone to ask questions for. I think I was one of the early YouTube university students and really maybe not even that, just someone who went out and I would seek the seminars. I would seek great advice from CPAs. I would seek great advice from attorneys. I would go out and meet with the developers who were doing it before me and have lunch with them and call them. I, I talked to owners of big brokerages of why do you do it, et cetera, et cetera. I feel like I really learned in the streets and was self-taught. I'll give you an example. There was my first outside investor that was a connection through college mm -hmm. gave me money to flip homes i had never bought at a foreclosure auction before but i hired some people to work with us who had worked at a foreclosure company and had bought and sold and they helped us acquire those properties but then i went how do i flip a home well, I just, I studied the MLS like crazy wow. and then solicited general contractors and went, make it look like these pictures. What are those costs? And I tried to find that margin and it was a self-taught venture of guessing and testing, hiring people with some experience, but running it on your own. So there was no mentor to answer your question, but I've been lucky to run into great people along the road that I was looking for who I partnered with or mm -hmm. hired or was an advisor like a CPA or lawyer. And I've taken kind of the accumulation of all those things, including courses and seminars where I flew out to Arizona to take classes on certain things. And it's just, it's a combination of those things. Do I have someone who I go, this is my mentor the whole way? No. But do I have individuals where I'm like, this was my mentor yeah. on how to raise money. This was my person on how I should approach this legally, I have those type of specific mentors that have helped along the way. Wow, that is very, very impressive. And you know, it also shows the power of relationships and, and meeting people and, and just if you're good to them, they'll be good to you. And yes, sounds like you have and you can learn anything you want if you're excited about it. <laughs> you know, and you want to learn it. How do I save money on taxes? How do I structure an entity on a yeah. home flip? You know, how do I raise money properly and legally? If you're excited to learn how to do that and have the excitement to go out and execute on a business plan, yeah. you will go out and learn it. Yeah, well, I'm enjoying just hearing your history. And speaking of history, you didn't always have Manhattan Pacific Realty. Mm -hmm. 
what brokerage were you with before creating Manhattan Pacific Realty? You know what's funny is I guess you could call the loan brokerage I was with the first brokerage I was with because that was before NMLS licensing where you had to get an additional license to become yeah. a loan broker. So I got my real estate salesperson's license and hung it at a lending company that had their broker's license. Okay. And that was the first place I hung it. And I was there for somewhere between probably 12 and 18 months. And then I started my own S corporation and got my broker's license. It was a little bit, you could get your broker's license on a faster trajectory back then. Okay. And I got my broker's license in my company, Elwood Capital Group, which was one of my flipping companies. And that held my broker's license. Wow. So I was with a small lender back in 07 to 09. And then Elwood Capital, I became the broker of Elwood Capital. And I've always been my own broker since 09. Wow. So the last 13 years. You are literally the epitome of an entrepreneur. You never worked with the Keller Williams or Remax or uh, Compass didn't exist back then. But damn, that's impressive. But look, I had friends who were at Keller Williams and they took me to a seminar because they go, hey, you want to go with this with yeah. me? And Keller would invite me in. And I took the seminars. I watched the YouTubes. I called the attorneys who did that. So it's just a road less traveled and learning in the streets and taking punches, <laughs> you know, and then you go from there. All right. And when did you decide to say, you know what, I want to make my own actual brokerage and have agents, you know, it, within my brokerage. When did you decide to do that and why? What was the motivation for that? It was around 2015-ish when we were doing spec development. I was just going, these margins are getting too tight. We're not making a big enough profit to mm -hmm. put my investors' money at risk. And that's when I decided. And, and I thought I had a business model because I had investors or friends or associates who goes, I know you flip homes. I know you buy and hold homes. Can you help my daughter buy a house? Can mm. you help my cousin buy their first income property? Can you help me find a piece of land that I can buy at a good price and tell me the construction costs? And people were calling me for that. And I was referring them to really good agents that I worked with because I still worked with agents because they would go dig up deals. And if they dug up a deal, they would list the property for us. And I was going, man, I'm referring out hundreds of thousands of dollars of commissions I could imagine if these were just people calling me because they know I'm a professional real estate investor. Mm -hmm. Imagine if I actually went out and solicited my name as a realtor. Here's another pivot, folks. Right? <laughs> and do I go, if I'm referring out a couple hundred thousand dollars, can I bring in more money soliciting myself? And then I'm not risking other people's money. And I may be creating a business model that could be bigger than the home flipping business. Yep. And I can always go back to home flipping when there's quote unquote blood in the streets, which we yeah. haven't seen in a long time. And so that was the pivot I decided to make. And you run some numbers, you go, hey, can I do this? Will it pay for an employee? Can we get office space? And generally you go, hey, I think this can work. And you take a leap of faith and it's scary, but oftentimes it works out if you do the planning right and you get your numbers right and it worked out and here we are doing it for the last six or seven years. Love it. And it's going strong. We're still going, man. <laughs> Speaking of strong, you had one of your best years yet, 2022. 2022. What was that like? Did you even have time for yourself? <laughs> uh, you know what? Hardly. Really like second half of 2021 through really the third quarter of 2022, it was bananas in the residential real estate market. Anyone who listens to this podcast or reads my blog knows that 
the pandemic infused housing run up was just an insane time. I think just very lucky to be at the right place in the right time. Every dog has its day in the sun. You know, if you're specking homes and the market surges, you get great profits. And and other times the market's just normal and you're out there chugging along. It was just being in the right place at the right time. That being said, we had great years because we had really built it since you know the previous five years and had a great book of clients and business and people that had trusted me and our agents here at Manhattan Pacific Realty. So it was a culmination of working really hard for five years, yeah. then being at the right place in the right time, and then just working like crazy <laughs> for you know, 18, 24 months, and we're lucky to have the best year we've ever had. There's... Almost no way 2023 will be as good of a year, and we understand that, but we're, we feel very, very blessed to have an amazing 2022 with really great clients that trust us. I love that. And that was going to be like the next question I had, what's in store for 2023 with, with real estate, with helping clients, and with the company in general? Sure. What's so in store for 2023? 2023. Well, look, Q4 has been really slow for us. So if you actually look at what, what we've done, we're going to break our record of, or at least my personal record of, I'm going to sell about 47 million wow. on the year in 2022 with only like 3 million of that in the fourth quarter. So it shows you the first three quarters were insane. And so we're really slow in Q4. And I do think we'll pick up again in the new year. But 2023 is going to be all about repositioning our clients. Of there going, goes pivot again. <laughs> right? Repositioning. If you own this asset, we really think you should go into here because I think there's going to be some opportunities in the market with high interest rates. So it's repositioning clients. And a lot of clients, the reason why we've been slow in Q4 is because we've told our buying clients to slow down, be patient. The next six to 12 months, it's probably gonna be an even better time to buy. And telling sellers, hey, if you don't have to sell now, let's wait, let's yeah. see how things shake out. So we're really <clears throat> gearing up for 2023 and opportunities and working with clients to be patient. For the company, which I know you wanted to allude to and why we stumbled at the beginning at, you know, with the bio of like, is it Manhattan Pacific Realty? And people are probably like, why the heck are Sergio and Richard like not able to talk about what the company name is? But we're going to rebrand the company from Manhattan Pacific Realty to Haynes. And, you know, and it can be called Haynes Real Estate or, or whatever people want to call it, but the name is going to be Haynes. And I think the real reason is, is that People, I tell our agents, whether they want to go work at a big box like a Remax or a Sotheby's or a Compass, or they want to work at a small boutique like our company, most people don't know or don't care what brokerage you work at. That's my opinion. Some people argue and they go, but you get benefits from different brokerages. Mm -hmm. But I go, they work for you because of you. They yeah. work, people work with me because I'm Richard, and they know me. Sergio, yeah. you have people that love working with you because you're Sergio Sanchez. They trust you. You have your markets that you crush. Uh -huh. And so people call it, no one knows who Manhattan Pacific Realty is. Some people call us First Manhattan Realty or what? Manhattan First Realty or Manhattan <laughs> Beach Realty Inc. Or, you know, Richard Haynes, Manhattan Pacific. No one cares or knows. So my thought process was if people work for me, or work, want to work with me because of my name, mm -hmm. if we're putting out advertising for Manhattan Pacific Realty, it would probably go 
a longer way if we just made it Haynes and they saw Haynes and Richard Haynes. So that's the crux of it. And my hope is the agents that stay here and work with us mm -hmm. is people go, oh, I've heard Richard's podcast or I've read his blog or I see his marketing material. He's a sharp guy. Hopefully they think that and go, <laughs> these agents working with him, they're sharp too. And also Richard helps advise them and things like that. So I think Haynes over the long term is going to help us. At the end of the day, it probably doesn't matter what we're called. But I think marketing wise, we will end up getting more business if the name is Haynes. And Sergio, I know I'm blabbering on about this. But no, like, I love it. I love it. I love what our logo is, which is just the name. And it's cool, clean, current colors that are different than a blue or a red or a black that you see these days with all the brokerages. So I think it's going to help us stand out from the crowd, help our agents stand out from the crowd, and you're going to remember us. So we'll unveil that logo probably in January, February here, and I hope everyone likes it. I'm excited. 2023 is going to be big. You've seen it, Sergio. Especially with the, yes. The and, new swag will be coming. And shout out to our girl, Kelly. We can cut this yes. out if she wants us to. <laughs> <laughs> she and uh, Doogie. And Doogie. Amazing artists. They've been pretty much taking spearheading this this project and rebranding with the website the website it's so tough new signs new business cards getting it all 100 percent right they've done an amazing job so yeah shout out to kelly shout out to doogie, doogie. we love them <laughs> love them well i want to shift gears here a little bit and step aside from real estate and go more into your personal life maybe okay if you're okay with that you know you're a father, you're an owner of a company, you're an entrepreneur, you're a husband, you're a son. What is it like managing all those hats? What's been, you know, the biggest struggles of your positives? Like, what, what is all that like? Because mm -hmm. I eventually want to do what you're doing. And I just want to, you shed some light on that so I can prepare mentally. Sure, dude, you got, and look, when the time is right, the time is right. And sometimes it's when you're really young, it's when you're really old, when you're having a kid, like you just never know when the time is right. But I can tell you, honestly, I would say probably the last three or so years have been the hardest of my life and career. And we're talking personal, but because, you know, my wife and I decided to start a family. And so we've got two young boys. We had two kids under two during the pandemic, wow. during the craziest real estate market ever. And I could always handle it. I could always handle the busyness of a business. I could always still get to the gym. I could always still have date night with Nicole. Mm -hmm. But when we had kids, that changed everything. And so I'm not going to lie personally, it is hard with wow. babies and young kids. And at least for myself, some people thrive at it. Nicole's an amazing mother and she does an amazing job. But for me, it was going, man, I'm getting less sleep. <laughs> I now have to change diapers. There's no sitting on the couch. There's no cooking, you know, really ornate meals, you <laughs> yeah. know, or, or meal prepping. I am a dad and a husband helping with the family. And so I will tell you, this is the first time in my career where I was like, I am overwhelmed by life. But what's interesting is, is there's no better feeling in the world that I've ever had in my entire life than holding 
your firstborn child wow. and like your mind and brain explodes that this is your baby. And I wouldn't trade it for the world, wow. but I won't lie of going, yeah. it's been easy. It's been really hard raising young kids, yeah. but there is a light at the end of the tunnel. <laughs> the laughs that I'm having with my oldest now and our almost oh. two year old is so damn sweet. You've met him. Yeah, I met both it, of them. It, it pays off and I see how it just gets better and better. And if you can survive the young years, at least in my in my thing, it just, it's getting better and better. So I will tell you, how did I do it all? I could do it, Sergio. I'm 37 now. I could really do it up to 32, 33-ish. <laughs> and then it got hard with young kids and everything going on in yeah. work and life. I don't know where I'm going with this, but just going... You just do it, dude. You just Whether do it. you're ready or not, you just do it. People, are you ready for kids? No one's ever ready. No one's ever ready. You know? And are you ready to start a business? You're never ready. Are you ready to, you know, for starting a relationship and getting serious? You're never ready. It's just yeah. you find the right person. And so when the time comes, Sergio, for you or for anyone listening, you just go in, you do the best you can, and over the long term, everything works out. I love that. I love the sincerity. I love the honesty. And your your eyes are twinkling right now. They're twinkling, <laughs> even though my baby was up till 1.30 a.m. with a cough tonight. You know, you got to twinkle somehow, you know? So you're 37 now. Mm-hmm. I actually had a question written down here. And the question goes, Richard, you're 37 now. Where do you see yourself, whether it's personally, with business, in 10 years? Mm-hmm. You're 47-year-old Richard. Yeah. What does that look like? 10 years, man, 47-year-old Richard. That's hard. Because, and everyone goes, you got a business plan and put out your thing. I've been very bad at even like setting up business plans for a year. We come up with what we want to execute here, Sergio, you know, in the <laughs> office on weekly and monthly basis, yep. and we have a reasoning behind it. I don't plan out that far in advance. But if I was to guess what 47-year-old me would look like is Hopefully, I'm still living in the home that we just purchased this year. Gorgeous home, by the way. Thank you. And because I believe in you've got to have a long-term time horizon Mm -hmm. in real estate for it to work out. We probably bought at the top of the market, and we were okay with that because it was the perfect home for us. And we talk about that with clients. Mm -hmm. I won't get into that, but hopefully, I'm in the same house. And if we've done well, we've remodeled it to what we want it for. The boys are going into high school, and, and my hope is is. The last two years were crazy and it demanded a ton of my time. And thankfully the boys were on naps and went to bed earlier, but I'm going to have a 14 year old and a 12 year old. And my hope is, is that we've grown the business, Sergio, you may be starting your own thing, but hopefully you're still with us and, and we've grown where I have the time to spend more time with family during those moments as the boys get older and head into high school. I know my parents were there. My mom was a stay-at-home mom, always there for us. And my dad worked full-time, but he never missed a football game or a basketball game or any of that stuff. My hope is that I can design life where I can attend all those special moments with the boys. And knowing that over time, business, work, life will be fine and continue to grow, but making sure I'm there as a father and as a husband to Nicole and and have time for the two of us as well. That's beautiful. We will get you to that point where you have that extra time to go and spend it with your family. That, I mean, look, where where all of us can do that, right? That's the whole point (laughs) of designing a business where all of us are working together and then we all get, get that special time. I love that. Here's a question that I like to think to myself and Mm -hmm. I've heard this question on many podcasts and I even like to ask my friends this question. If you can go back in time, now we're instead of going 
forward in time, we're going back in time to mm-hmm. seventeen so year old Richard, senior year in high school. What kind of advice would you, current Richard, give seventeen year old Richard man? I think I did it right up to 17, 18. I know this is crazy because I really wanted to get into, you know, the school of my choice and I was lucky enough to get in there and work my tail off for it. I may shift your question and go, what's the advice for 22-year-old Richard? Because 17, 18-year-old me, I got into the school that I wanted to. I worked my tail off and then I kind of slacked in college and just had fun. Like, that's why I'm a realtor, why I got into real estate. You don't need good grades to go out there and like a doctor or a lawyer does. And to, the truth is out. Right? The truth is out. Like, if I didn't want to go to class one day, I didn't. Welcome to the entrepreneur majors <laughs> at Marshall School. But really 22-year-old, Richard, because that's, to me, a big shift in life of you're now moving in to, like, real adulthood. And I came in going, like, I got a business degree. I'm going to make six figures my first year out of school. Like, who wouldn't want to? hire me total hubris naivete just ridiculousness you i don't believe it look i thought it would be a lot easier and i didn't realize going look when you get out into the real world if you were competitive in sports in high school or competitive with grades or whatnot the real world is the most competitive place you will ever find and there are unfair advantages that other people have over you or long-term advantages etc it would be to 22 year old richard is come in and work your butt off because I went out and had some fun early on and thought it would come easy. And I didn't realize until my mid twenties of how hard I had to work and how much dedication I had to put in. I was disappointed and sad straight out of college because I'm like, I'm not accomplishing the goals that I want to. I thought it would come easier and I just didn't realize how competitive it was. And once I got over that hump, so I'm still having an answered your question. It's okay. I love it. What's the advice is work your tail off at, at, you know, 22 because you get such a, you know, you've got to work hard and compete. But you did work hard, it sounds like. I did, but I still had fun where it was like I could have not gone out in 22, 23 and really grinded. And that, you know what? I don't take back any of those things. But really, once I got into my groove of working hard and started seeing results, mm-hmm. I beat myself up again of going, why aren't results coming faster? Mm, we all fall. Right? That, we yeah. all fall for that. And I was like, I'm 26, 27. I've raised money. I've done this. I'm flipping homes, making my investors a lot of money. I'm still scraping two nickels together. I'm paying off the credit card debt from starting these companies, et cetera. And it's just going stay the course. Everything takes a long time to develop. And, you know, I got a therapist back in the day and was with the same therapist for seven, eight years referral for my brother because he's a clinical (laughs) psychologist. And he's like, hey, you should always talk to someone. And it was funny how she would reframe me of when I was 32 and starting Manhattan Pacific. And she go, well, look what you've built with the flipping and the spec development business. And then fast forward to 36 and I had kids and the struggles of not getting sleep at night and me going, oh, like, I don't know if I'm going to sell enough real estate. And she's like, well, you're selling triple the real estate you sold the first year you opened up the business. And just going, you got to work hard. It doesn't come easy. And then when you are working hard and seeing success, not to beat yourself up that it's not happening fast enough because eventually it does, but it takes an 
effing long time, Sergio. I'm 37 and been doing this for 15 years, and I feel like I'm just getting started, and I see the successes coming, but they're still probably 10 years down the road, 12 years down the road. So those are the things that the advice that I get, be patient, (laughs) long-term, work hard, it's competitive. Okay. I don't know if I answered that 100%, but that's my conscious you, dream. You gave thoughts. me a whole research paper with there that There you answer. go. It was a little I'm long. Gonna... I'm looking at the timer going, oh my gosh, I just talked about that for 10 minutes. Classic Richard. Yeah, let's cut that out. Let's edit it out. No, I loved it. I loved it. All right. So I don't want to take up too much of the people's time. You know, mm-hmm. Christmas is around the corner. I kind of just want to, you know, finish it off with the last segment. Mm-hmm. Before, sorry, before I get to that last segment, one last question. It can be personal or business related, but do you have any goals for for next year, whether it's health, family, with real estate? I know that you said earlier that Mm -hmm. you don't really think too much. In the future, you kind of just, it sounds like day by day, but are there any things in the back of your mind that you're like, I would love to do this? Sure. Uh, in 2023, whether it's traveling, what whatever it is. Well, uh, let me try because this is your, you've gotten into personal and business. Let me try and give you personal and business. I love that. So let's start with personal. I think personal is spending more time with family. And I'm seeing the benefits of that in the fourth quarter now that the market slowed down of me getting home at a better time and being able not go into as many open houses or as many showings on the weekends and really focus on family and being able to go and take a weekend trip. Cause mm-hmm. us realtors work on the weekends. We haven't had that the past two years, but just weekend trips or turning off my phone and saying, Hey, Sergio, do you have a free weekend? Can you help cover me? Those type of things and getting quality family time and being able to skip out on a Wednesday or a long weekend and get that quality time. That's a personal goal of mine. And then also, so then what half personal half business is establishing more good habits. And I think we are, the benefits and the goals and the successes we have, Sergio, are the habits we create. Mm -hmm. You know I've done the blog almost every single week for the past six or seven years. That's a good habit of learning the market, putting something out there for my clients and for people to go, hey, I want to work with this guy. That's one good habit that I've developed over the last seven years. I've added some other habits like this podcast. I really want to work with you on social media. People have seen that we're putting more stuff out, but becoming more authentic, more comfortable in front of the camera and really pushing into our social podcast, you know, putting myself out there realm. Mm -hmm. And then the other good habit to add is fitness, which I think helps me with business and all that of like, hey, that is slack the last three and a half years starting a family and with the pandemic. If you heard our podcast with Ryan Doyle that's coming out here the next couple weeks, you'll know I'm going to be applying a lot of that. If it's walking with weight, rucking, getting in 100 push-ups a day or on a day and then doing kettlebell workout and some dumbbells, getting in four times a week, just doing that, establishing that good habit, establish of doing social a little bit more. Those are the type of things that I'm really looking forward to in 2023. Love that. I absolutely love that. You've been amazing, Richard. I want to finish it off with a fire round. Just a couple questions okay. that I do not have anything written down. I'm just going to fire them. Fire off some questions. Top of my head. Okay. Does pineapple belong on pizza? No. <laughs> if you can be anywhere in the world right now, where would you be? Cabo. Cabo. 
Love Cabo. Don't get me started with Cabo. Say no more. <laughs> Might be a different type of trip than my spring break and bachelor party days uh, with the family, but Cabo. Maybe Mexico, you can give me some suggestions. We'll broaden that out. If you can have one superpower, mm -hmm. what superpower would you choose? Wow. Well, what classifies as a superpower? This is going to show who you are. You know, I would say seeing the economic future. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Are we hearing this, people? <laughs> I don't want to know the future of when I'm going to die or if something bad happens or something. Good. I just want to see the economic future because then I can position business to make some money and then, you know, hang back. <laughs> hang back. I was the weirdest answer ever. The strangest superpower. The strangest superpower, but there you have it. See, you know, a normal person would be like, I would like to fly I'd or like teleport fly. or be invisible. Yeah. Or... Flying would be sick, but I just don't know what the I would use it for. future of economics. <laughs> <laughs> I'm weird, Sergio. All right, last fire question. If somebody came up to you today and said, hey, look, I'm going to donate this money to you, have it. They gave you a million bucks. Mm -hmm. What's the first thing you would do with that million dollars? I mean, the realtor answer in me is I'd invest <laughs> it in real estate. But you know what I mean? Like, I, Give me a good answer. Like, here's where I think it would go is, is probably Nicole would kill me <laughs> if we didn't spend some of it on ourselves and the boys. Yeah. I would just go, why don't I earmark half of that for family? And what, what Nicole wants to do and the boy wants to do. Yeah. That's the question, right? What would I do? Yeah. The other half of it, I would donate it. Donate. And really, I would go, I think, inner city, low-income families. Just because I've seen doing the low-income investing, the advantages that... I got growing up in Palos Verdes, whether you call me a middle income family, upper middle class, or even wealthy, because PV is really at the top of the medium price homes, mm -hmm. the disadvantages some kids have growing up on Section 8 or with broken families or with gangs around the corner, it, they're immense. And so to give kids some help of getting them a laptop so they can do their homework at home rather than having an hour to do it at the library or to catch the bus or finding ways to make impacts on inner city. Yeah. I think that's probably the most noble and effective cause I think that anyone can do, at least here that I've seen in yeah. greater LA, is helping inner city kids kind of, you know, have a better life, be able to study and get good grades, create a life, you know, that maybe they wouldn't be able to without that extra help that yeah. we all got. That's huge. I love that. That answer was beautiful. Half of the family have to give back. There you go. Beautiful, Richard. This is why I like being around you, man. <laughs> I love it. Well, I love being around you, dude. That's why you're with us. <laughs> well, I mean, that's the end of our special Christmas holiday podcast. Joe, thanks for being my guest today, Richard. Of course, Sergio, you nailed it. I think you got to start a podcast or we got to have you on here interviewing or we interview next time we'll in 2023. See. We'll see what the people want out there. Uh, let's see what they want. I think that interview is coming. Is there anything you want to say to your listeners? You know, I think I just want to wish everyone happy holidays and wishing everyone a very prosperous new year. Call me anytime if I can ever be a resource and everyone enjoy a special time with family over these last couple weeks of the new year. And let's get after it in 2023. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year, everybody. There you go.